0: Why the hell are they doing another podcast? Don't they know that only their parents, Gabe, Zach Attack, and Kirk Shurb Street, listen? What is the point of going on any further? This is, hey, wait. Stop that. No stop the
1: music. God damn it. It's an absolute
0: peak from the Paraguayan Miguel
1: Alvarez. Cross looking for Garza
0: backside. Hi y'all, and welcome to Five Strike Final. The preview show edition, Five Strike Final, before the final, as we like to call it. J Sam Jones here for Dairy South Soccer, Joe Patrick, over there from Dairy South Soccer Joe. Say hey. Hey. What's hey. up? How's it going? Oh, it's uh it's not it's not going well. It's not going well. Like what? Andrew Carlton well. are arriving to the Supreme store line a little too late. I'm afraid that we're not gonna get anything out of this weekend, Joe Patrick. I'm afraid Whoa. that the that the Red Bulls are gonna come in and just absolutely run over us they're, they're terrifying man they're terrifying oh
1: they are they are they're actually you know uh we've talked about them you know we we talk every week i've been looking forward to this one for a while mm-hmm. um i think that yeah they're they're definitely one of the best teams in the league they could they might be the best team in the league we'll see uh what happens on sunday night but um they will have a chance to prove that for sure
0: yeah, you kept tending at this game, being really a big one, and I was a little bit dismissive of it, I think, just from looking at the table and seeing where they were in the standings. But as they you know, started to rise, you know, of course, my first real glimpse of them was uh, the, the 4 nothing shellacking in the Hudson River Derby they gave to NYCFC. Um, the more and more I've looked at them, the, the more impressed I am by them uh, for a whole variety of reasons, and we'll get into the deep numbers uh in just a moment. But a very, very young team put out by Jesse Marsh. Uh averaging about the, the, the second youngest lineup in MLS. I believe Columbus has put out the youngest lineup this year, but Red Bulls are right there, hanging around about the 25 uh year range for their normal starting eleven. Uh but they played nine games. They've really started to creep up the, the standings as of late. Uh eighteen points on the year in nine games. That's six wins and three losses. Uh, Those three losses kind of feeling a little fluky. Uh, There was a loss to RSL where they gave up an early penalty, were never able to recover. Uh, There was a loss to Orlando City, which was just a bananas game that actually sat down and watched a 4-3 loss there. Uh, Dwyer scored twice, once by tackling Luis Robles, the goalkeeper, (laughs) Uh, the second time off a throw-in where he got in behind everybody off the throw-in and just into the box and, and, and scored that way. Um, and then Orlando scored off a deflection to win the game 4-3 in the, like the 85th minute.
1: Well, they deserve a ton of credit, too, for, you know, I mean, despite those losses, they've had, I mean, they're still up there in the table. Like, they're in fifth, but they're only one win off of second. Um, right. They're, they're only like three points off of second. And, and... They only played one less game than Toronto did in in the Concacaf Champions League. I mean, they made it to the semifinal. They played two legs, just like Toronto did. Mm-hmm. They didn't play, or I guess I guess it's a two leg finals. They played two two games less, but um, you know, they had a grueling Concacaf Champions League campaign as well, and they had to make the same travel down to Mexico, just like Toronto did, and you know, and they've succeeded in spite of in spite of that. And don't and like. Yes. Okay. It was probably a little more disappointing for uh, Toronto to losing in the final like they did, but I mean yeah. it was still going to be disappointing for the for the Red Bulls getting knocked out because I mean they had a really good squad. They really they outplayed uh, Tijuana in that semifinal. I think that's who beat no uh, Guadalajara. It was Guadalajara. Yeah, Guadalajara, who ended up going on winning the tournament. They really mm-hmm. outplayed them in the semifinal. Um, they just couldn't get the the goals that they needed, and you know. They, you just got to give them credit and how they've kind of reestablished themselves in MLS. Um, and I think you know, it just shows to the mentality they have as a team. They're going to be really strong. They're going to be a tough opponent.
0: Yeah, they're really dangerous. That one other loss, that third loss, was a two-one loss to Chicago. Uh, Alexander Katai had had two bangers in that one. Were the only two goals. Um, so it, the losses have been very very close. Uh, when they win, they're winning in pretty decent fashion. We talked about the four nothing. Against NYCFC Hudson River Derby, a 3-2 win over LA Galaxy, a 2-1 over Colorado, uh, 3-0 over Minnesota United, a 4-0 over Portland. Uh, when they get going, they get going in a really, really big way. Um, it all starts with Jesse Marsh's pressing system.
1: Yeah. Yeah. they I mean, they, only have that, they have the same goal differential as us, and they've played two games less. So, yeah. I mean, they could very well, you know. I two mean, less
0: goals than us, and yeah. they've played two games less. Um, yeah. They're coming into this one. Uh, their, their expected goal differential, which of course, going back to talking about expected goals, it's it's the, the percentage of success from the shots you're getting, kind of added up. So yeah, uh, kind of like from, from like
1: a, re- a replacement level player, you know, just like not taking the actual player into account, kind of the a rating of how how frequently a shot would be scored.
0: Right, and adding that up over time into yeah. you know giving you some kind of number that you know looks like a regular soccer score. Um, Yeah,
1: what is is it? Because I don't
0: know. So their expected goal differential is the best in the league. Um, So on paper, uh, they're outperforming just everyone in a really big way. Uh, 0.9 expected goal differential. So that's expected goals. They're they're winning by, you know, about a goal a game there, which is a really big disparity. Uh, They're second in the league in expected goals per game. Uh, that's on the scoring end of things with 2.03 they're just behind houston who for some reason has a really really huh. high it's really strange weird. They, they've been staying up there all year i'm not sure if that's just albert elise getting into it it may literally be all from that one game they played against us <laughs> yeah um, right so yeah. I, don't, I don't know but we had a
1: very high xg in that one
0: god i can't imagine i, th- I think it was like five or something honestly it was terrible yeah. Um, And their expected goals allowed is 1.13, which is also second in the league. So on Hmm. both ends of the spectrum, doing very, very well. And once again, it it starts with that really, really impressive uh, pressing that they do uh, right from the word go. Um, They're not going to hang around with the ball a lot. They're only having the possession about 49% of the time. It's kind of on the lower end of things. Um, But once they get the ball, as soon as they get the ball, it's very, very direct. They're immediately making moves to get the ball. Out in front of generally Bradley Wright Phillips, who has six goals, four assists on the season. Um, usually, that's going to be facilitated by, by Gamera, um, also known as Kaku. Uh, we've had a little bit of confusion <laughs> about that. So, uh, man guy it,
1: Reddit I read last night thought they were two two different people, <laughs> which I can honestly understand. Like, I don't for know sure, why you, for sure. I don't know why you, he's called Kaku. I don't even know where that where that comes from. You yeah,
0: know, he's, he's a DP for the No. Just came in this year, Alejandro Romero Gamera, uh, known as Kaku. Uh, colloquial terms but three goals four assist for him uh he's getting did you, into did ahead. you see
1: today he uh he just applied for a one-time switch to change his nationality to from argentina to paraguay so he'll be wow. a teammate okay. of miguel Almiron.
0: oh cool yeah look at that look at that um
1: it's funny you don't really hear too often about one-time switches from like to different mm-hmm. south american nations
0: yeah, I wonder how well that was received or if they've noticed it all in Argentina. That's just, you know. Yeah, prob- probably not. It's the whole big thing. <laughs> I always remember one of my favorite things when we were uh, back in the day when we were freaking out about Julian Green coming over, yeah. you know, uh, from Germany to the, the U.S. side. <laughs> right. uh, there was a great quote from one of the German scouts who says, uh, you have just taken one of our trouts. We have plenty of trout. <laughs> you know? idea, idea. It's like, <laughs> we'll
1: whatever. Have cast so, again. Yeah, yeah
0: so, so plenty of trout for, for Argentina. Um, yeah. They're probably not too worried about cocky leaving. But a good pickup for Paraguay, I'm sure. Because yeah. um, he's been very, very good. Very, very good. Like we said, three goals, four assists on the year. Uh, he's in the middle of, uh, of the 4-2-3-1 they have been running with. Uh, of course, Bradley Wright Phillips at the top of that has been very, very good. He's a lot shorter than I realized. He's only checking in at 5'8" there, Bradley Wright Phillips. Hmm, interesting. Because uh, he's, but... he's
1: pretty strong. He, you know, he's like mm-hmm. a... He's not really a burner, I would say. And he's like a... He's just a fox in the box type, I guess. He's going to position himself well. Make clever runs getting behind guys. Not really so much with the speed, but kind of with the smarts.
0: Right. Exactly. And the positioning is very, very good. And it's it's very much like watching... Uh, really good fast-break team in basketball. As soon as they know the rebound is, is going to be picked up, everyone's breaking immediately, and you've right. got a guy playing an outlet pass, essentially. Um, and that that's how they're getting a lot of their goals.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. You know, it's so funny because so often when you think about a team, a high-pressing team, you think mm-hmm. of, like, Pep Guardiola or something, you know, like one of those teams, and it's a team that will press to win the ball back and then keep the ball and and, tr- and you know basically not give the ball away that often when they do they go press it and they get it right back this team i personally love this kind of team i love to watch it i think they're the most exciting teams to watch because like you said they don't have the ball that much and the reason they don't have it is because they're always trying to make incisive passes they're always trying to get in behind you as soon as possible so um and that's what makes them so dangerous that's that's the reason they can beat literally any team on a Mm -hmm. given day and it's probably one of the reasons they had such a good run in the Champions League, uh, the Concat Champions League, is because, you know, it doesn't, like, I, I, it was funny, I was actually reading, I was like I mentioned, I was reading Twitter last night, and I was kind of reading some um, thoughts from people trying to break down the match, and it's one of those ones where you almost can't predict how it's going to go, Um, which is funny, because we're doing a a preview show, but. Right. uh, You can't predict it because, you know, Leandro Gonzalez Perez could dawdle on the ball for just like a half second too long, gets it taken off of him, and it could turn into like a, you know, a goal in, Couple seconds, you know, yeah. um, that you just couldn't otherwise see coming. So it's it's a little hard one to break down tactically. Other than the fact that you know they're going to be, you know, super aggressive and and especially in the in the press.
0: Exactly, exactly. When they're getting the ball, they're going towards uh, the right side a lot. Um, as soon as they're picking it up, uh, Florian Velot is over on the right side. Florian, uh, a 25 year old Frenchman, uh, playing th- the right attacking mid there. Uh, they run the ball through the right side. The ball's on the right side of the pitch 45% of the time for them, which is the most in the league. Um, So as soon as they're getting, they're looking that way and looking to get chances. They go to the back post a lot. They go to the back post a lot, which leads me to maybe the – one of those things you notice very, very quickly when you're watching them uh, is that uh, when they score, they're scoring very, very close to uh, to the goal. It's like – it's very like brutalism architecture style, kind of like they'd be really, really into that because there's, there's nothing really graceful about it. It's just getting the ball in as close as possible um, to where they can it just pound it in a lot of the time. Either that or you're getting a one-on-one on a break on a counter-attacking goal uh, that you can finish. Uh, but they have the most goals inside the six-yard box of any team in MLS. They're averaging over one per game. Uh, the next closest is .7 per game and then there's an even bigger drop off after that so and I,
1: th- I mean and and that makes sense why their expected goals would be so high is because mm-hmm. they're taking those shots from from close range they're not taking pop shots from from distance trying to trying to nick one
0: yeah this is not sporting this is not a team that's going to have <laughs> yeah a, kind of, a, of the a,
1: opposite a um, actually almost almost yeah almost the exact opposite of, of sporting
0: yeah that's a really good point really good point they're not going to try to hold possession like sporting does or cycle things through they're just going to get the ball and score it's how i play on fifa is how I think right, about exactly, it. exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've got the ball. I'm going to go score now, right? Yep. Um, so it's really, really impressive from them. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how Atlanta kind of handles it, um, especially just we're talking about that press um, and looking at it statistically. Um, mm-hmm. New York has allowed the lowest pass, pass completion. Good Lord, I can't talk. The lowest pass completion percentage against. Uh, with 69.2% of uh, passes completed against them. Uh, so that means that opposing teams are only completing about 70% of their passes any time. Yeah. Um, and the second lowest expected pass completion percentage against, uh, just kind of based on where and how those passes were attempted. So they're making it very, very difficult to, one, hold on the ball and uh, keep possession.
1: Yeah, it just shows just how combative they are in midfield. Um, you got guys like Tyler Adams, Um, uh, Sean Davis, like those types of guys who are Mm -hmm. always going to be, they're young. They have, they have fresh legs. um, They're not afraid to get stuck into a challenge. And they're just really, uh, they're actually, they're, they're technical too. So they can, so they can, you know, win. They can recover balls that are, that are, that are difficult to recover. Bouncing balls, things like that. Um, They're just a tough team to play against. They're going to just be flying all over the place, super high energy, um, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on the Mercedes Benz, uh, turf because, um, or not the turf specifically, but just the, the wide open field, you know, I, I wonder if that will be an advantage or a disadvantage for them in any way. I know, I mean, obviously Atlanta United has obviously had plenty of success on that pitch. Um, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of react coming in.
0: Uh, Davis and Adams, of course, like you said, very, very good Adams, of course, the rising star in the U S system, 19 year old. Uh, playing defensive mid for them, uh, and Davis also in uh, that, that uh, the, the midfield pivot, I guess is what you would call it, with the two in uh, the four two three one. 2 uh, Adams, 2.3 tackles per game, two interceptions per game. Uh, Davis, uh, 2.1 tackles per game, 2.1 interceptions. So they're, yeah. they're getting in really good positions a lot of the time. It's like, it's like Rulonowitz and Carmona last year, just looking at their stat sheet in a lot of ways, uh, except a lot more athletic, which is a scary yeah. thought.
1: Yeah, it's like that. Except, yeah, and they're both homegrown. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: ima- Im- imagine how awesome that would be as a fan to have, like, you know, a central midfield pairing, homegrown kids. Um, that's just that's just what the game's all about, you know. That's that's I think that's what any supporter would want to see. It's got to mm-hmm. be such a it's got to be such a fun time to be a fan of New York Rebels if you're if you're up there. You've seen these kids come up, mm-hmm. um, and you know the success of these kids is what's allowed them to let guys like Sasha Kleshin go and they pick up assets for it in terms of allocation money and those kinds of things. And they're able to replace them uh, with really high quality players. That's, that's the benefit of when you have these kinds of kids coming in through the system, um, you basically have really cheap talent and we'll see what happens, you know, because that talent only that cheap talent only lasts a couple of years. It's almost like in the NBA, when you get a good guy, like you, you just draft a good rookie and you have him on a great contract for a few years. But uh, once that contract comes up, then, then you get into a dicey situation because you're already kind of building out the rest of your roster around these guys and their contracts. So it'll be that will be down the road for them. But, uh, you know, right now it's got to be just so fun to watch them, uh, those guys play. I mean, Tyler Adams is already, already one of the best, you know, I, I think he's one of the best center mids that the United States
0: has, period. Yeah. Forget about age. For sure. And that all that was kind of accentuated by their very first goal of the season when uh, 18-year-old Ben Mines scored their first goal of the year, and it took like a couple minutes, too, against Portland, getting things going. It's the only game he's played, uh, but still, that's a home run player for them uh, from over in Ridgefield, Connecticut, which I'm assuming is very, very close to, to Harrison, New Jersey. Um, you know, getting things started for them, and they've relied a lot on the young kids, and like you said, a lot of young American guys, too. Of course, um, one of their biggest moves uh, this off season, besides bringing in uh, Gamera slash Kaku, um, Tim Parker coming in. Uh, from Vancouver in that Felipe exchange Uh, Mm -hmm. you take Felipe out of the equation which I'm sure was a benefit the locker room at the very (laughs) least and put in Tim Parker he's been very very good at center back for them this year Um, so just uh, they made a lot of moves towards almost you would call it rebuilding in I think a lot of other sports I think moving towards kind of a youth movement and preparing the future but I mean this is a team that's that's outperforming expectations in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, except the kids are all right, you know. Yes. It's like <laughs> it's like yeah, they're rebuilding with these kids, with these kids come are coming in and they're ready to play. I mean, um, they've just done such a good job and I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Atlanta United being like this MLS 3.0 and the way they've built their roster and everything, but I think um, I'm not I'm not comparing the way that well, I think we're kind of following the track that that New York Rebels is setting, and I think that they're kind of a a, a model program for a, a lot of the league in terms of how they've brought up these kids um, through their academy. They've done really well with their academy system there, and uh, yeah, the, and, and then supplementing the squad with you know high quality international talent like they've done. So Bradley White Phillips, uh, Kaku, like you said, so. I just really admire everything they've done building this team to what it is right now. Um, even though it almost does, it doesn't, feel like it's been built. It feel like it's almost been like deconstructed a little bit to get them to get them to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're really, really solid. All, they don't really see the, the thing that really also worries me about rebels. They don't really seem to have like a, a weakness. Um, yeah. and it, neither do we, to be fair, which is why I think this is going to be such a great match. Um, there's just no obvious place to attack them. I, um, I forget the right-back's name. He's been one of the best right-backs in the league right now. Or, uh, he's been one of the best right-backs in the league this year. And then you have uh, Lawrence on the other side. You're talking got about two... Murillo there? Yeah, Murillo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Uh, he's been fantastic for them. And, yeah, they they, I, I, they just don't really have a weakness. I mean, maybe, they, maybe there's just some days where they make some individual mistakes and you can get at them, but... Um, overall, as a squad, as a, as a from their best eleven, like they're they're very 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 good.
0: Yeah, looking at their the, just the who scored ratings, which of course who scored a very good statistical site, site that kind of tracks things and assigns, of course, a rating to the player at the end of each game. Average that out over the season, uh, Tyler Adams is actually their lowest rated player. Really, right now, Interesting. which is, it, it's by like a tenth. It's like the tenth, but yeah. still, that, that's insane that Tyler Adams, who's been you know one of the most heralded young players in the league for the last year and a half, whatever it is, is you know, not playing at the same level as the rest of the 11. They've been extremely good up and down the board. Um, yeah, even, I actually
1: voted I voted for Tyler Adams as my player of the week a couple weeks ago when they beat New York City FC uh, in the mm-hmm. Hudson River Derby. I mean, he didn't get on the score sheet. Uh, I don't even know if he officially had tallied an assist, but I thought he was just instrumental to the way they played that day.
0: Yeah, and, and it's all about these kids coming in here and, of course, buying into to Marsh's system. Uh, I've got more defensive stats, which I'm really excited about because I can't get over <laughs> how good uh, they, they've really been. And, and what makes it special to me is that this is not a team that's bunkering. This is not, you know, a team that's just sitting back and, and really focusing on um, stifling teams that way. They are full blast the entire time. It, it's gigging pressing, I guess, in some sense. It may not yeah. quite be the same, but uh, you know, it's, it's Klopp-esque in a sense. Uh, I w- but, I w-
1: it's, it's heavy metal football for sure.
0: Yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, but only allowing 10 shots against per game, uh, that's the second fewest in the league, and only allowing 3.8 shots on target per game, which is, which is third in the league. Um, so teams aren't getting in So good positions to, to create shots that are, are going to matter uh, in the big frame of things. And again, because they can't string passes together. you right. can't string passes together against this team. Um, and I think it leaves a lot of interesting questions for us. A lot of interesting questions, uh, which we'll go ahead and get into now since we've fawned over Red Bulls for what is it, 20 minutes now. Um, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do we do? Uh, yeah. And I think the first question that I want to ask you, I want to go straight to you with this, which has been kind of the main question for a lot of the season, um, especially over the last couple weeks um, 4231 352.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, well, see. So I think this is one of the easier. Well, I don't want to. Actually, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I'm pretty confident that we will come out in a in a four three three four two three one of some sorts. And the reason mm. being, um, is not. I'm not taking my own personal views into this into account. I'm taking what Tata Martino said against Sporting Kansas City and kind of the reasons that they gave for that, um, for the reasons for going back to the four two three one for that game, which is that they knew that. Sporting Kansas City was going to press. They were going to get at them, It was going to be kind of like a high tempo game, and for that reason, they wanted to go one v one across the pitch. They didn't want to um, get in a situation where uh, they were built. Ba- well, basically, they just wanted the game to be like a mad scramble. Essentially, like you want it to kind of be helter skelter, and you kind of would if you're at United, if you're Todd Martino, you'll take your odds. In and in that situation, that. You'll your your pure talent will will come up. Trump will will trump the other team, and I think that that's something that they'll do in this game. And specifically, the reason why is because when you're playing against New York Red Bulls and that tenacious press they have, um, the more you kind of play out of the back and kind of uh, try to try to try to slowly advance the ball into midfield and things like that, the more you're just playing with fire and you're and you're exposing yourself to you know a quick tackle. Like I said earlier, maybe you know one of the center backs, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, is on the ball. Half a second too long, doesn't see a guy come out on, on his shoulder, and you know gets the ball taken off of him. Boom! You're 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 giving up a huge chance. So I think you're going to want to play, for the back, and kind of be booting it in the midfield, and just let let the try to win the midfield battle.
0: And I think my question then, with if you're if we're playing forward the back, uh, you, you we should have Garza available left back, right? Um, LGP Parker's center back. Who do you play at right back? Do you go Gressel? Is this the first time we see Gressel there just for his ability to play? Uh, play the ball.
1: I don't think it is. I don't think I don't think you play Gressel at right back. Um, I think you would want to play Gressel at right back in a game where you think you're going to be dominating possession and okay. where you think Lorenowitz can drop back into between those center mids where he's going to be doing that quite a bit when Atlanta's on the ball and Gressel can kind of get a little more freedom to go up um, with that back three behind him that said I don't know who you I don't know who you play it right back I, if I had to guess I would say Sal Zizzo I would yeah, say that's your know, only option he's, at this he's point. the one he's the one who's played in the four two three one recently at right back mm-hmm. um he didn't play at all again on the weekend so he should be you know fresh he won't have played in uh what over a week I think yeah. right so and I asked that um, question
0: because the thought of Chris McCann get being anywhere near this game terrifies me to no end
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um what is up with Franco, man? Like, I didn't think this injury was gonna be that bad, to be honest. Like, I thought, okay, you know, he needs a, like, he took a hard knock. There was mm. another game coming up in a few days. There was a midweek game, so I, you know, made sense that he didn't make that one. Then now it's worrying me. You know, he didn't make the one on the weekend, which I thought he would be back for. Now it looks like he's not gonna be back for this one. So
0: yeah, it's worrying. I don't know, man. I don't. It's it's worrying for sure, for sure. It's
1: it's, it's really a shame for him because I thought he was just kind of rounding into form. I mean. I think he's gotten a little too much grief um, just overall because I just feel like a lot of what people think about him is they just remember that Houston game. That's, like, the most notable game that he played in of the ones that he's played in. Um, you know, he hasn't played in any of, like, the, the very memorable wins or anything, so I mm-hmm. think that's just, like, the game that stands out in people's minds. It's too bad for him because I thought he was actually really rounding into form. Um, I thought he played really well in, the, in both the games that he got injured in, so it's a shame. Hopefully he'll back, he'll be back soon, but it doesn't look like he's going to be back for this one, which is unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh What do you
1: a, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about the tactics? I mean <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's that's not why I'm here, man. <laughs> um Gosh. The, the I, I think you're know. right. I think you're right. I think you go 4-2-3-1. Um and of course my initial thought with it was to to maybe go 3-5-2 and uh leave tito out keep the ball in in the central part of the field with guys who are able to retain possession really well you having a lot of of, of nagby of, of barco of, of miguel on the ball um it's still going to be beneficial for us but maybe keep it in and out of the center of the park which is going to be difficult if you're going in that three five two
1: yeah i mean oh sorry am i cutting you off no absolutely not go ahead I think there is some merit to that, and you can you can make the argument that um, actually I think that the three five two with a three five two you could almost lure to, uh, New York to have more of the ball than they're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could actually basically concede a little bit of possession to them, which is what we've typically done in the three five two, is we've kind of conceded a little bit of the possession, right? Sat more back and then hit them on the counter, and I think that that is you know that is, that is a that is a way they could go with it for sure. Um, like I said, I was just kind of going off of what ta- the reasons Tata described going back to the 4-2-3-1 for, for Sporting Kansas City, and I think that a lot of those reasons translate to this game as well. But I think they're both on the table, for sure. Especially with, you know, what if he doesn't feel confident in Sal Zizza, who didn't have a great game. I mean, I know he said that he was happy with his performance against Sporting Kansas City, um, but I think he made a, a mistake that led to one of the goals. Um yeah, I just don't recall him having a super great game. And uh, oh yeah, he kept uh, he kept the guy on on that offside. That's what it was. Yeah, that's right. Um, but you know maybe so if, if if Tata doesn't have confidence in Sal, then I think then I think three the three five two is probably the the the, the more likely option.
0: Does it become easier to defend in transition uh, if you are in a back three? Yes. Uh, so I, I I think that might be part of the thought process. Yep. If uh, you do have those back three, back there, a- able to pick up the pieces and, and you know keep uh Bradley White Phillips at bay a little bit, especially on this transition place.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's what we've seen out of the three five two 2s that it's just been really solid defensively. I think you know um, Patrick Vieira spoke to this. Um, he talked about playing you know in the system that NYCFC does, and he just said you know when we we play this way because it's our philosophy, but we understand that. We're going to give up opportunities playing in a f- high pressing 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3 type of system, um, but the reason that we do it is because we're going to create a lot of opportunities too. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and I think that you know, there's no there's no doubt that the three five two is a more defensive, a little more conservative way to go, and I and for us so far this season, it's been the more effective way to go as well. But um, you know, it just depends tactically game by game against your opponent. You know what you think is the best for the team.
0: Uh, obviously, I think we've talked about it before. I'm a Liverpool fan. Uh, Ten days, they play mm-hmm. for the Champions League final. I just want to remind you, no real reason. Oh, uh, okay. But also wanted to talk about, um, it's been with, with Klopp system, which we, we have drawn just a couple comparisons to it. Uh, sure. It, it may not be a, a carbon copy. Uh, but um, I noticed when watching Red Bulls that it's crucial in a lot of lot of ways for them to get on the board early, to get on the board. And the, they've done it a, a bunch of times this year where they have scored in the first 10, 20 minutes uh, yeah. and they controlled the game from there. If early, not can,
1: like first, but like early, like within the first few minutes of a game. Yeah absolutely. Quite a bit. yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Liverpool in the past, and, and this year, absolutely, when they have been stifled early and unable to jump out in front. Yeah. Um, especially, I think, a couple of years ago. Uh, oftentimes, they found it very difficult to keep up that pressure over 90 minutes because they are pushing so hard, because it is so much running, uh, because it is so much effort going forward. Uh, if we can hold out and keep them off the board for four 30 minutes, you know, that first 30 minutes, I, I feel really good about our chances. It's what all these other losses that they, they've had that have been close games, it's been teams picking up a goal early. Chicago had the Kattay goal early. Uh, the RSL penalty that Neck scored uh, came off a very, very early penalty. Um, and of course, Orlando City was just a clusterfuck, so it didn't really matter there. <laughs> um, but they got on the board early. They stifled him. Um, and uh, you know they kept them off the board.
1: Well, maybe you know that's a great point, and I think that you know maybe maybe the maybe the tactic from Tata Martino is to go three five two. And then see if you can keep them scoreless for the first half, and then you know, you, then you bring on Tito, um, to kind of try to punish them a little bit more after they've run their legs off. Because what happened against NYCFC is they had a, they played a great game, um, but they really only played a great half. I mean, the second half they pretty much bunkered in. And actually, you know, come to think of it, NYCFC in that game went to a three in the back in the second half and just really controlled the game, especially yeah. from a possession standpoint. Um, so I do. I, I wonder if Tata. Now that I think <laughs> thinking on the fly now, I wonder if Tata will go to that game specifically to look at um, how NYCFC played when they were in their four two three one, how New York Rebels defended or pressed when they were in that system, and then how things changed in the second half when New York City uh, switched to a back three and they really controlled the game from there. And they they legitimately, I think the final score in that game was three nothing. And I think like. New York City had the chances to actually pull that game back even. Like they really dominated yeah. the second half, but obviously no one r- remembers that because they they lost it in such kind of embarrassing form there. But um.
0: how big is Jeff Lernowitz going to be, especially in distribution? Um, Tata's talked a lot about switching him, kind of in and out of where his positioning is, either putting him uh, in behind people or I forget his exact words on it, uh, but his positioning and where he's receiving the ball has always seemed to be a key talking point uh, for Todd And with this press uh, coming full throttle, Adam, if he gets dispossessed at any point in this game, then I could see that turning sour really, really quickly, especially if he's not there to break up the counter because he's just been dispossessed. Um, Going to be really interesting to see what Jeff does, and Jeff could be a scapegoat by the end of this one on Sunday hmm. night, to be honest.
1: Yeah, we were talking in the writer's room earlier today who is the most important player for Atlanta United. Like, who is right. the guy that they could least afford to lose? And I think we kind of came to the conclusion that it's it's 34-year-old Jeff Loranowitz. Like, he is the <laughs> most important player, single player on the team. Like, even more more than a Miguel Almiron, more than an Ezekiel Barco, right. more, more than a Joseph Martinez, because the, we already have a lot of attacking talent there. Like, those guys are basically... Um, within our own squad, we can kind of replace, we or we, we can get the production that we need in those areas based on the other guys that we have. If you're only removing one player from our squad, there's no one who does what Jeff Lernowitz does. Um, there's no one as familiar with the system at this point as he is. Um, just his overall veteran savvy, tactical astuteness. Um, yeah, so he, he's going to be pivotal. I mean, he's going to be pivotal in... <laughs> like every game we play, to be honest, yeah. um, but especially yeah, like in in these midfield battles, these 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 big games, um, it, that it even gets amplified even more
0: for sure. In baseball, they have that idea, and I think you mentioned it earlier about uh, wins above a replacement level player. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Winwoods may bring the most of that, just based on what his replacements actually are in this team. Because what do you right. do if he's gone? You go.
1: What do, you do? What, what do yeah. you do
0: that was my that was my question and of course I I, I was the one who brought this question up um after something you read this morning uh, yeah. about UGA um but <laughs> I translated everything to soccer like I normally do yeah. and uh you know I, I asked the question and, and my the answer I had in mind was Elmarone uh but as I thought about it more and as Parker Cleveland made some really good points that uh you know there are people who can step up, and there are ways we can change the formation around to, to make up in some ways for the loss of, of Miguel Almaro. And If he were to, you know, knock on wood, go down mm-hmm. with like an ACL, MCL, everything or tear.
1: So, or be sold to Atletico Madrid.
0: <clears throat> <laughs> right, right. No reason that Darren and Carlos were at the Europa League final today, guys. Pay no attention to the uh, very <laughs> handsome man behind the curtain. Um,
1: and they were in, and they were in England. They were at the Manchester, some Manchester City event. I think what like the trophy celebration really, really. or something. Okay, I think so.
0: Yeah. Well, good for them. Going on so a little scared. world tour. <laughs> tour, or you know, um, here comes Diego Costa. So, or Griezmann, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, it, it'll be very interesting to see um, what Jeff is able to do, especially with a whole lot of pressure on him uh, in this one. Um well and before he gets mad
1: let let us just say we don't doubt that he's you know he's he's great i know he he gets perturbed about the age thing um
0: for good like reason dude it's yeah. I mean yeah. and
1: no one likes being you know people talking about how old they are you know so i i i, I understand that uh especially today but um mm-hmm. you know he's 34 years old and when you're 34 years old there's a greater chance that something bad's going to happen to you physically than when you're 24 years old
0: so right yeah. And I think from kind of the beginning, some of the idea has been to find uh, a player to start in front of them. But at this point, it may just be uh, when that transfer window opens back up, whatever that is—I can't quite remember when it is—to uh, mm-hmm. find someone who's just good enough to raise that replacement level player value up to be right. enough to where exactly. it's not that big a drop off.
1: Yeah, and I, and Teodo football from our staff was saying we have you know a decent amount of TAM to spend, um, somewhere in the range we of have two million. Cash
0: yeah yeah, it's like 1.7 I think is what he said
1: okay
0: um, yeah. which is really a really decent chunk of change there yeah, uh, yeah. which is crazy looking at, at all the players we've been able to bring in and what we have and then you look at a team like Orlando City who's obviously been doing well but they're on just this huge deficit right now essentially is what they're running because of what they spent uh, to see us in, in the positive on that chart is is really just insane to think about. There, there's room to bring someone in. So it, that's yeah. a whole different discussion for a whole different time, though. That's a long way off as far as when we have to start worrying about that nonsense again.
1: I, I only brought it up to say that, yeah, I think we, we should be thinking about, yeah, when we get to that that next summer window, to be thinking about maybe like a younger defensive midfielder to grow into the role that Jeff Lawrence is playing, not necessarily to supplant him.
0: I would absolutely i would do horrible horrible things to somehow get tyler adams out of this <laughs> oh my gosh wouldn't she like oh my gosh just the worst things
1: him and jesse marsh are going to be going to red bull leipzig that's what's going to happen yeah you see they fired their manager or their manager left today oh okay. morning. interesting so jesse marsh part of the red bull family have we could ta- be on the move could be on the move
0: <laughs> have we talked about our dear friend jesse yet i don't think we have um no, we almost, haven't. almost felt like leading off the show with this but there is some bad blood between these two teams of course you'll probably remember um, if you were there uh, the, the Red Bulls came into Bobby Dodd Stadium in the very first game in Atlanta United history uh, 2-1 win there uh, scored a late header to kill off any happiness that we had that night um, it was awesome uh, and then of course uh, Atlanta went up to New York later in the year and I want to say that was a 2-2 draw I can't Remember the score? I could look it yeah, up. It was it
1: was a, it was a draw. It was, either it was some one kind one of or draw. Two, two. Yeah, yeah, some
0: kind of draw. Uh, Brad Guzan, of course, I believe that you know, was the MLS save of the year in that game. Where oh, Wright Phillips right. missed from like three feet because Guzan got over and it made an incredible save. He is back, by the way. He's done with his suspension. So big for us to have Brad back. And this one
1: it may have even been no no now was the game where Joseph uh, angrily tore off the uh, pre wrap on the uh, oh he, was that he, our first he, instance he, uh, of Joseph's yeah, third things it was it was yeah oh. he, he, it was like he left it like a crime scene uh, it was like so funny you could just like see like Joseph was here based on where his pre wrap was all torn up on the field you know <laughs> I like kept a, on thinking every time they would like run past it I was like oh poor Joseph used to be standing there ripping off his pre
0: wrap <laughs> you know like you'll, you'll have in like uh, superhero shows and movies and stuff like that where you'll have like some kind of cult Open or a cutscene where something like awakens, like the beast or like the monster or the villain or something right. like that. I yeah. like to think that Joseph leaving that rap on the field uh, woke up Alpharetta Dad from his slumber, <laughs> and that's that's the first instance when uh, we first got to experience the wrath of Alpharetta Dad. Yes, uh, <laughs> but there is bad blood here uh, in that draw, whatever it was, whatever the score was. I'll look it up later. Um, Jesse Marsh had some not-so-kind words for Atlanta United. We talked about Peter Vermes having some really nice words for Atlanta United. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jason Kreis saying that we were the apex of the league. Uh, Jesse Marsh had different words. Uh, his quote was, It was a little bit shaky in the start, but once we cranked things up, we took over the game, he said. And the shame is that you know they just decided they wanted to kick us almost every time. Referee doesn't want hand out yellows, so they're allowed to kick them more. Uh, their bench is yelling to kick our guys from the bench. Okay, so Martino is yelling in Spanish to kick our players. Of course Tata said, "No, <laughs> that's not what we're doing." Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, because not poor Wouldn't it be so obvious? Tata. Like Yeah, it's not like it's not like this is a conversation going on between like One person and one other person who knows Spanish. There are multiple people in the area, right? Like, yeah, could Jesse Marsh not have leaned over or like checked his Duolingo or something to try and understand whatever they were saying? Punk. Yeah,
1: that's that's nutty. That's nutty. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. But then we heard that you know some of the some of the players were talking about it again today.
0: Um, yeah, I think I think Doug Robertson was asking a few questions about it. They didn't seem too perturbed by it. You know, they probably don't even y- remember it. Mm-hmm. Y- it's us, yeah. the liberal media, pushing things. But uh,
1: Leandro Gonzalez Perez, he uh, he came to his Tata's defense. He said, "Tata, quote or quote, Tata never gave that indication. I'm hundred percent sure he's the opposite. He's positive, and it's a little insulting to Tata." End yeah, quote. for sure. Ouch. Yeah, it is. no, it is. it is. I can't
0: imagine that dude telling anyone to hurt anything ever. You know, he's just a genuinely nice, nice old man. He's my uncle, and I love him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, anyway, Jesse Marsh uh, has an axe to grind.
0: Yeah, so we'll see if that comes into play at all. Uh, Of course, uh, we might have gotten all our hate out against Orlando. but
1: you know my my feeling is that it won't. You know yeah, Tata is a bigger so, man. He'll he'll sure. uh, he'll not react to that. But well,
0: not might he say something snarky after the game if this is like a four nothing at United win? Yes, absolutely, yeah. and it's going to be yeah. glorious, and we're all going to yeah, laugh for sure. Uh, but, for sure, you know Tata.
1: If, if Tata's going to complain about anything, it's going to be about Mark Giger,
0: <laughs> Mark Giger, exactly. <laughs> Who's <is> the VAR <laughs> who is in, the in the building? This game. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> You so need to watch out for that. At least from a distance. I'm sure there will be some huge VAR decision, and I'll have to sit there while Tata and <laughs> yeah. Joe both just rail me with VAR complaints for the entire duration of the post game. Super I excited.
1: Tata, I, I hope Tata, like, during a VAR, he just, like, turns around and just stares and gives Mark Geiger, like, a, a stare down from the, <laughs> the touchline.
0: Just the... looking up there. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Scary. Scary, scary stuff from Tata there. Um. That'll wrap things up for the most part here. Um, we do want to give you a little bit of fuel to the fire to go and hate New York Red Bulls. Besides what we just gave you, uh, here are your reasons to hate. Joe Patrick, take it away.
1: Well, the fact that they call themselves the New York Red Bulls and they're not even in New York. Here's what the is New that? New Jersey. Is there another sports team that's like? Well, probably, well, there probably actually, is. yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are many.
1: <laughs> um, anyway, that that is lame as shit. It's kind of it's. A,
0: <laughs> but but none of them are as terrible places. Harrison, New Jersey. I did, you
1: yeah. know, I did just think about the Braves being, being the other oh, yeah. Braves when they're yeah. in Marriott.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, Marriott is not nearly as much of a dumpster fire as Harrison. Uh, that's I, true. I think I have a hater's guide to Harrison coming out uh, by the end of the week, so be on the lookout for that. MDSS. Okay, okay. Uh, I, well, yeah, I, I know yeah, that's punching I, down. I, don't, but, I,
1: don't, yeah. I, I just think it's lame. How did How did they not establish them in New York when they were like one of the they were you know they were the the metro stars right they were like one of the original teams yeah and but they set them up in New Jersey I don't understand I don't understand. And, well no they probably weren't at the time because they just built Rebel Arena out in New Jersey
0: yeah, I forget where they played uh, the Metro stars back in the day I know I looked this up at some point uh, but yeah obviously land pretty hard to come by there in New York I uh, know why CFC can't figure things out. Uh, as far as that goes, either uh, it's uh, you know it,
1: it's hard to tell the history of all this since uh, you know MLS didn't start until Atlanta United joined the league.
0: Exactly, exactly, and when soccer was invented back in uh, 2017. So yeah. who even cares? Who even cares beyond that? Uh, my biggest gripe with New York Red Bulls, and I, I've really only noticed this since since watching them uh, today in my research. Uh, they have some really just stupid numbers. There's like there's like a 99. There's a oh, 92. Right. <laughs> Uh, there's a 66, uh, all, I don't know if this is like a Red Bull initiative, uh, but a 90, an 88, a 78, a 77. Why? That
1: is weird. Why wow, did didn't, I, wow, that's really, I, I had not put that together. There's so many like that.
0: It's super annoying. What is though. that? Like only one starter, Kaku and Etienne and Kyle Duncan all have sort of like normal ones. Yeah. Then And there's Tyler Adams with a four. Then the rest of them. For like 20s, 30s, 50s, 60s for no reason. They also have butt plates on their jerseys. It's like one of those jerseys where it drops down below the rear gluteal section of the, the soccer player. And on that bottom part of the back of the jersey is like this big thing that says New York Red Bulls Bitch. on it. <laughs> Fancy <laughs> uh, in glitter and diamonds. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly, so it's it's essentially the tramp stamp of of soccer kits. Um, <laughs> it is not classy looking, uh, but they are in New Jersey, so you know what? I guess it makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Little uh, low rent, low rent trash.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh. So what do you what do you think the score is going to be?
0: All right, let's let's get this prediction in. I've obviously been talking up Red Bulls the entire time, and I think it's going to be a loss. I think we're going to lose this one. I got two one. I got two one. I think we get down two nothing early, get a goal late, but aren't able to get the job done.
1: I will go for a one one. I think both of the matches we played last year against them were highly competitive, um, combative affairs, and I think that I think that uh, the match Sunday night will be kind of like a mad scramble, ball ball bouncing around. Um, there will be some crazy moments. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to pick beforehand how that ball is going to bounce, so I'm just going to go with a a score draw.
0: All right. I like it. I like it. That's better than mine. At least a little bit more optimism.
1: Take it it to your bookie. Yeah, now that it's legal. Please uh, do.
0: Please do. I want to pose a question to you, by the way, before we get out of here. Yeah, let's go for it. If we had to pick one MLS player, coach, team, the first one that's going to be involved in some just huge gambling scandal, which one is it going to be and why?
1: Gambling's legal now, by the way. Mm. All
0: get excited. Thank you, Supreme I would, Court.
1: I would say uh, LAFC. They're just like their whole vibe shouts at, like, screams to me, like, illicit. You know, gambling just seems. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, the, I can bl- see it. The whole black and gold vibe. It's just I don't know. Just screams. It's like the their 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 uniforms are kind of like the 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 villain team in like a sports movie. Mm-hmm, and so I just mm-hmm. get like. Um, evil vibes coming from coming from that franchise so that's
0: I like what it. i would say you're wrong though the correct answer was will johnson All oh, that'll right, do it for five stripe final <laughs> before the final it wasn't of the his fault, show. Though. <laughs> not <laughs> touching it not touching it nope mm. we're getting out of here all right games at sunday seven o'clock uh course in mercedes benz stadium it'll be on fs1 another national game for the five stripes we will see you there and see you afterward on five stripe final thanks for joining us in this one i'm j sam jones joe patrick is over there you can check us out on twitter at j underscore sam jones at j patrick 200 and at five stripe final also check out dirtysouthsoccer.com for all your atlanta united related news and needs that's going to do it here from five stripe final see y'all later have a good night and up the five stripes bye y'all Bye.